everybody, my name is Red. Hi, and I'm Elle. And welcome to another episode of On The Spot. This is our venue where we get to have an on-the-spot conversation about our current Sunday service series. And for now, we have The Gospel Expressed. Yes, and we want to do this to be able to enrich or add more to these topics that we dis- as we discuss and we process them together. Yep, that's right. And it's really just amazing to see, you know, that, that we get to do this on our current Sunday service series, The Gospel Express, because each topic per Sunday is actually really meaty, and we just want to chew on yep. these topics a lot more. I agree. And if you have been watching our Sunday services with us, then you'd know that our topic for this week is a very juicy and meaty topic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Actually, and right now, I'm super excited to have our guest because I, I think he's the perfect guest speaker to, to process more about our topic from Sunday. So without further ado, everybody, let's all welcome Bishop Manny Carlos. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Hey, Bishop Manny. Hello, Red and L. Glad to be part of this uh, podcast. I appreciate what you guys are doing to make God's word not just understandable, but more applicable in our lives. So thank you for having me as a guest here. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for agreeing to be here. So we're really excited to to just um, hear your thoughts on the topic from last Sunday because it's really like, um, it was one of those edge of your seat kind of preachings <laughs> yeah. so yeah sure let's get right have, to it oh sorry sure people have a lot of questions about that so thank you bishop manny for taking the time to be with us today because we're going to be expounding uh, like what we said on the preaching we heard about god and government and so we'll, we'll go right to it bishop manny um we know that in romans 13 is seen as a maybe kind of like a controversial chapter in the bible nowadays because it talks about submitting to authority specifically the government and because of what's happening in our nation um, applying it in our context you know seemingly makes last sunday's message um, like what pastor gilbert said relevant and challenging and so we'd like to know um, what are your thoughts on this and in your opinion what makes this chapter relevant and challenging and, and maybe what some people would call controversial? Sure. Um, well, uh, first of all, the, for us to understand not just the meaning of any particular text that we're reading from Scripture, I think we all believe as followers of Christ, we believe that the Bible is the Word of God and is important not just for what we believe but how we live our lives i think that's the starting premise and we know that god's word is divinely inspired you know as second uh, timothy three sixteen. so this is not just principles or good things to you know good suggestions but really if we believe and apply god's word then we will experience the blessing we will experience god's intended purpose for our lives and so particularly the book of romans um is, um, you know, many theologians consider this one of the most important, of course, the whole scriptures are important, but because of the um, theological um, truths that Paul, the Apostle Paul emphasizes, then um, the more we understand what the message was to the original hearers and then apply it to our context, then to that degree, we will experience the wisdom that we need in the hour that we are, are living in. And remember, 
he was writing to the church in Rome. And Rome was the capital of the Roman Empire, the most dominant empire in that. So you can imagine uh, in the day that we are living in, it's probably going to the world-class cities and nations, you know, the first world nations, the most powerful nations, wherever that may be. And so uh, Paul was giving instructions on how God's people, okay, not, who were presumably citizens of Rome, how they were to relate to the civil authorities as followers of Christ, because uh, as followers of Christ, we are to live differently than the rest of the world. Now, um, as you already pointed out, and I, I trust that our listeners will have read uh, and uh, reflected upon uh, the, that particular text, uh, and the, the important admonition from the very outset of that chapter, uh, chapter 13, verse 1, is to submit to the governing authorities why? Because the authorities have been established by God. Now, that's a mouthful already because uh, the word submission, again, I, you know, I, I haven't had the specific time uh, to look at the original languages because the original language, which is in Greek, helps enrich our understanding. But I think just the English translation gives us already enough um, uh, of, an, of a preliminary understanding to be able to respond. But to be subject or to submit is to, number one, to to respect uh, the authorities, and number two is to follow, basically. Uh, that's what it means. Now, um, however, there are qualifications for what the civil rulers are, because civil leaders, you know, I call them civil instead of just saying government, because, you know, you, you might be surprised. People think of the word government, they immediately think of civil government, but government is broader than simply the civil government. Civil government is only one of a number of human institutions and authorities that God has ordained. So number one, uh, uh, we see here that civil government is something that God establishes. And that's, that's important because uh, it's not a human construct. God was the one who thought of it and God had a purpose for it. Okay, so I'm saying a mouthful right now, but the thing is, there are actually three human authority, divine, um, divinely ordained human authorities that God has set in place. And that is the family to the parents. Number two is the church leaders uh, in the church. And then number three are civil rulers. In so These are human authorities that God ordained. And so the point is your attitude towards these human authorities, God looks at it and equates your attitude towards them with your attitude towards God himself. Now that's a very uh, strong statement to make, but that's exactly what the scripture is saying. He says, uh, if you rebel against the authorities, you're rebelling against what God's instituted. Okay, and, and again, you know, when we look at one scripture, we have to understand we cannot just look at one scripture in isolation from the rest of scripture if we're going to formulate an understanding of what God's word says. So Romans 13 is the, uh, not the only text with that, has to do with uh, how to respond to human authority. I think if it's First Peter chapter uh, two or three, you know, there's a number of other scriptures. First Timothy two about praying for those in authority. So the point is, uh, I, I hope I'm not saying too much, but number one, our attitude is we have to res we have to have respect and we have to follow. Now you have to remember respect the position or what it represents not necessarily the personality because as we are aware of, not just in the Philippines, but 
pretty much all across the world. I think particularly in this pandemic, it seems like many people look at their governments and have been uh, uh, not satisfied, uh, disappointed, angry. I'm not saying everything. I think there are many people who are grateful. So, but you have a mix of emotions, but you have to remember it's not the personalities of the people, but the, the position and what they represent. That's what's important. So your attitude is important. And number two, it is a delegated authority. In other words, it's, it's not something that's absolute because ultimately the authority is God, uh, is ultimately God. So um, I don't know if I've answered your question, but that's really, and then what is the function of civil government? It's clear, we can expound on that later on, what the role of civil government is, because what's important is this, okay? And I, I don't know if this is, um, siguro inuunahan ko na lang yung tatanungin nyo, no? Why did God establish, why did God establish human authority in the first place? You know, I think that's a fundamental question. Well, it might surprise people. It's this, God's intention from the very beginning was that we would be self-governing people under the government of God. Let me say that again. Most people assume human authority is needed, but God's intention from the very beginning was for people to be governed, self-governing people under God's government. And we see that very clear in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28, when the Lord told them to be fruitful, multiply, rule over the creation. Again, I can expound on that. But what happened? We know what happened. Man disobeyed God and fell into sin. And as a result of that, man and woman lost the capacity to be self-governing. There's a measure of it that we all have. You know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't live this life without a measure of self-government. If you don't know how to wake up and, you know, brush your teeth and eat your food and uh, clothe yourselves, so we all have a measure of it. But because we lost the capacity to fully govern ourselves under God, we need human authorities to help prepare us for that government. That's why, again, I can expound on the home, the church, and the civil government. But I, I, I know that's a mouthful. But in essence, that's really what civil government is. It has a particular role in extending the government of God. And if you look at Romans, there is a clear reason why God instituted civil government, and I can expound on it, and that is this, so that people can live in harmonious relationships in the earth. Okay, well, let me pause. <laughs> <laughs> All right, wow. Uh, that's, a, that's a lot, but, but yeah, we, from that, we've already gotten uh, a lot um, of information and insight, but at the same time, a lot of questions um, also arise from that. Um, so there's a lot, but I guess we'll, we'll start with, um, okay, what is it? really mean to submit to authorities? How do I know that I'm submitting to authorities or my heart is uh, I'm submitting to authorities? I feel like most of the time when people think of government, it feels more like, yeah, they're there and I'm just kind of bearing with them. <laughs> so how do I know that me as a Christian, I'm obeying God and I'm submitting to authorities? Yeah. Well, very good. Let's go back to the text. No? Uh, again, I'm, I'm... I'm recalling it from memory. Uh, submit to the governing authorities 
for there's no authority except that which God instituted. The authorities have been established by God. And those who rebel against the authority against are going against what God has instituted. And they will reap the current consequences. And then it goes on to say, for rulers hold no terror for those who do wrong. Sorry, for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. See, the civil rulers were instituted by God for something good. And that should be the starting point. Whatever imperfections or disappointments or uh, mi missing, let's, let that be the starting point. God established civil government for our good. And what is that good? Okay, and he says, he is the Lord's servant to do you good, to promote what is good, what is righteous, and to punish the evil. And why is that why is that necessary? Why are civil rulers necessary for our good? Well, if we go back to Genesis chapter 1 after man fell, you see the regression unfortunately over time. If you read Genesis 1 2 3 4 5 6, by the time of Genesis of course Genesis Genesis 3 when man fell, in Genesis 4 what happened? We have the first murder. And unfortunately that first murder was Cain's killing his own brother. Abel, uh, because of his own jealousy and envy of his own brother. And unfortunately, violence begets violence. And by the time of Genesis 6, it says that uh, when the Lord saw humanity, he saw that only the, that the, the heart of man was evil all the time. And the earth was filled with violence. You know, what happens is if evil is not restrained if evil is not dealt with in the heart of people, it will play out its course. And it says, when the Lord saw how evil man had become, he said something that, you know, for those of you, maybe you've heard me already say this, has got to be the saddest ever verse in the whole Bible. And what is that? He said he regretted that he had made man. I don't know about you. But for God, para magsisi yung Panginoon na nilikha niya ang sanlibutan, I don't know how much sad, more sad that scripture can be. Na nagsisi siya, na nilikha niya tayo. Why? Because of the evil and the violence that was in the hearts of people all the time. You can, you can read it. It's all in the scriptures. And so what did God say? Well, I'm going to have to eliminate man all over the face of the earth. Because of the evil. But and this is where we see the goodness of God in spite of all the evil in the hearts of people. He said, he saw Noah as a righteous person. He said, rather than just eradicate mankind, I'm going to start all over again. And so he found one family. And thank God for a righteous man like Noah. You know, when you have a righteous man, your whole family comes along with it, isn't it? Because not only was Noah saved, but his, whole, his wife and his three sets of children and their families. And we know the story, the flood came, after the flood subsided, then they start all over again. And you can read this in Genesis chapter 9. God said, you know, if um, I'm going to, if you notice, the command he gave Noah was exactly the same command he gave Adam and Eve. So God's intention for the earth was still, was unchanged. He wanted the earth to be filled with people all over the, all over the planet. He wanted them to rule over creation, rule creation, not rule man. There's a big difference. We're not to rule one another, okay? We're to serve one another. And 
communicate God's goodness through to other human beings. But we're supposed to rule creation. I could say more, but wow! No, I I find that so um, enriching, Bishop Manny. Na sometimes we when we the question was just ano eh, um, why should we submit to authority? And then really going back to Genesis, um, God's intent for it. And by the way that you were saying it, it seems as if the authority placed over us because we could not self-govern is also in a way a blessing then from God because, because we cannot govern ourselves. God has placed this, this government or this authority to help, to help us um, when we cannot self-govern. So I, that's just so amazing to, to realize from what you shared. And I yeah. can, can I give you this example? Sorry, this is my classic right. example, but this is also true in the Philippines. I remember this. This was um, what decades ago. There was this New York City had this massive power outage. Uh, I don't know if it was in the 80s, and uh, it, they called it a blackout. Now here in the Philippines, we call it brownout. I don't know why, <laughs> but. And you know what's interesting was after a while, looting started taking happening. I mean, looting started taking place, sorry. Okay. And so, which in one way is not surprising. Diba? Pag, pag walang uh, protection, diba? so people started looting. So they started making arrests, but what surprised them was many of the people who were caught looting. And you know who the people were caught looting? It wasn't so much the thieves and the robbers. It was the ordinary citizens of that city. And wow. in fact, they got one housewife, isang nanay. Okay, and tinanong siya, bakit ka Okay, bakit ka nagnanakaw? Eh, hindi, alam naman nating masama yun. And you know what the lady said? He said, I don't know what came over me. You know, I'm really a law-abiding citizen. But when I found out that there were no powers, there was no policemen, there was no nothing, something came over me and I realized, man, there's no restraint and so might as well just take advantage of it. You know, let's try to... Unfortunately, well, I, maybe we, well, I'd rather not say it, but let me give you something theoretical. What if you were in Mega Mall and suddenly you found out that there was power outage and there were no security guards in the mall and there were many people? What do you think is going to happen? What do you think you're going to do when you know there's nobody watching you? The point is there is... Evil, Resident Evil, okay? That's a movie, I think. I've not watched it, so, but I, I know the title, so I don't know what it is. Unfortunately, brothers and sisters, there is Resident Evil in all of our hearts. And in God's mercy, he has given us civil rulers so that we don't eventually destroy ourselves. But, which, you know, the implication. So, you have to think of civil rulers the way God intended for them to function. I'm talking about function. I'm not talking about rulers. Now, the, there's another major implication of that, though, but I'd rather that it, you ask it rather than me. Because remember, civil rulers are also human beings, isn't it? Okay. Wow. 
All right. So um, what I'm getting from, from that is that um, basically civil government and authorities were placed um, for our good um, because man is evil. There's a lot of evil. It has to be restrained. And one way to restrain that, that is to put leaders um, over people. And so government authority, um, they're not inherently bad. Uh, I feel like there are a lot of worldviews that look at power and authority as inherently evil. Um, but yeah. uh, the biblical worldview shows that government and authority are instituted by God to bring order, to preserve life, to protect people from the evil within ourselves. Um, because there's a threat of um, punishment when you break the law. So, so things like that. Um, so that's the ideal. I feel like that's the ideal. That's the idea. But then reality also is um, time and time again, we see governments who abuse their authority. Um, like what you said, there are governments that have become repressive, oppressive. Um, so now that's where the tension comes in, that, that God calls me to submit to authority and submit to governments. Um, and it's my act of obedience, not to government, but ultimately to God. And now the tension comes in where it's, it's like, okay, what if my government is oppressive or repressive or calls me to do things that I don't agree with morally? So how do I, how do I solve that tension that, that's happening there? That's an excellent question. And I, I hope you realize, you know, when I answer, I, I don't like just to give, you know, quick one statements. I always like to lay a premise so that you, our, our audience will fully understand this is the solution to these problems. Now, I want to backtrack a little bit because I think you said it so well, no, that God's intention for civil government is good. And that is to restrain evil. But having said that, and this is where it's important. This is the flip side of it. Yes, the government can restrain evil, but they cannot change the human heart. Let me say that again. If we think that we can enact laws that will make people good, we are sorely mistaken. And unfortunately, you know, if you look at the laws of our land, we have so many laws that people put in place. You know, there's so many anti-corruption bodies that we put. But why is there still corruption? Because government can restrain evil, but they can't change people's hearts. Lest we put, put, put our hopes in government to solve our problems, which unfortunately, that's what many people, again, I think we, we have to look beyond just the Philippines. Because if we focus so much, there's a lot that we can criticize our leaders, but this is true across the board. You know, we think, oh, if we live in this first world country, you know, we live in, you know, those Western countries, diba? Lahat tayo nag-aambisyon. Ang dami rin corruption doon, mga kapatid. Sa Amerika lang nga, diba? Kitang-kita na natin ngayon, diba? Yung, yung nangyayari, diba? Lahat yan, meron yan. Because evil is the same everywhere. So, I'm saying that so that when, we, when I try to answer your question, this will really be uh, a long-lasting, I mean, a, a long-lasting answer. And my, my, my hope, and I know that's our, your hope too, that we will come out of this meeting actually not discouraged, but super excited that actually change can come. 
if we do it God's way. Okay, so again, I, I want to reiterate that government, and again, thank you for saying it so well, has a very important place in the society because God intended government to be uh, a place to restrain evil, but it cannot change the heart. That's why, and uh, I'll say this, and then I'll see if I can get back to it later. That's why the other government authorities that God set in place, which is the family and the church are equally important. And these three human authorities have to function together in a society. Now, the other authorities, there are, you know, what about business? What about media? What about education? Actually, if you think about it, all of those authorities are extensions of these authorities. You know, um, schools, educational institutions, ideally are extensions of the family and the church. Uh, you know, again, I, I will restrain myself because I, wanna, I don't want to make statements that people will question, you know, why are in about poverty? Whose responsibility is it to eradicate poverty? Is it the government's or is it private charity along with the church as well? I think those there's so many implications of an understanding of human authority that we need to, if we let it play its course, it will totally renew our minds so that as God's people, we can do our part. Because part of the goal of this to me is every person who listens to this, you'll realize you're part of the solution to the problems that we're facing. And you have to be clear about what your part is. You cannot blame. If we keep blaming government for our problems, guess what? We'll stand before God and you will give an account for what you've done. Now, going back to civil authority uh what if they are repressive what if they are abusive well i think it's clear that because they're delegated authorities they're not absolute and we need to understand this number one yes we're to submit yes we're to respect but it doesn't mean that we're subservient to it and the good thing is this at least in our society, we live in a Republican form of government. In other words, it's a government by representation. And so the question is this, if they are abusive, what do we do? Okay, the what we do is we call them to account. Okay, now remember, because of the Republican form of government we have, we have the right to elect our leaders. Not all, obviously, because some government agencies are appointed and all that. But because we elect our leaders, then to that extent, they are accountable also to us. Now, the question is this. If they are not performing according to what they're supposed to do, well, there's two solutions. Number one is don't elect them again in the next election. Okay? That's why elections are so important. Diba? Kasi mahirap nun, iboboto natin, tas hindi natin nagustuhan, sinong sisisihin natin, di tayo rin kung sino yung binoto nyo, diba? Okay? 
Number two is guess what? The government system we have already has systems in place that actually provide check and balance for them to be accountable to the people through the institutions. And this is where I learned this from Bishop Jonel Milan. No, I never, I never appreciated it as much, but do you realize that there are actually constitutional bodies in our, in our government that allow accountability uh, for government? I mean, just think of this current PhilHealth scandal, okay? So again, I'm mentioning specific things, but it's all in the public news. Now, are they guilty or not? Obviously they have to have uh, their day in court. So we know that you know, there's, there's allegations and there's investigations going on. So we're not saying that they're guilty, but they have to be investigated. So I think we need to be careful about that. You know, I, unfortunately, our, our public sometimes is so quick to accuse and to say, oh, they're guilty. No, let them have their day in court. Let there be due process. You know, it's easy for us to blame people, but what if they were the ones being tried? Wouldn't we want ourselves to be investigated and properly? I think, we, you know, let's not be too quick to judge people because the measure you judge will be the same measure you will be judged. My point is this, take this PhilHealth scandal. How are they being called to account? Well, guess what? The Senate has been doing an investigation, isn't it? The Senate is doing its job to provide checks and balances for the executive department of our government. And that's exactly what these three branches of government are doing. And so, mga kapatid, what do we do? We tell our congressmen, we tell our senators, investigate these things. That's what we need to do. If we really want to call them to account, then we shouldn't just limit our, 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 our responses to simply you know, tweeting and just simply saying and ranting on all these things. No, we make them accountable. And let's use the government, the freedom we have to be able to call these people to account. That's how we deal with abusive people. Now, you know, I know we're talking about national leaders, but you know where most people live, unfortunately, is this. Uh, and again, I have to be careful about these statements I make. But, you know, hindi rin naman tayo naive, di ba? Yung nabubuhay tayo. My point is this. Ultimong sa mga barangay lang natin, alam ko maraming mga abuse na nangyari, di ba? Huwag na natin dalin sa national government, doon pa lang sa local, di ba? I mean, yun lang nagda-drive, yung nagmamaneho, di ba? Sa totoo lang, mga kapatid, di ba? Tuwing nakakita ka ng mga traffic enforcer, ano yung nararamdaman mo? Di ba? Kinakabahan ka na, naku, baka hulihin ka, baka i-flag down ka. Why? Because unfortunately, that's really what happens all the time. You get stopped, you don't know why, and you know, before you know it, di ba? You're, you're being... Uh, put in a situation where you know you weren't really guilty, but of whatever offense you were, then you're faced with a dilemma. Do you just accept the ticket or do you try to get your way out of it? So I'm not obviously promoting, uh, you know, uh, doing bribing or anything like that, but that's the point because the abuse is there, big and small. And, you know, John the Baptist clearly said that in, in uh, Luke chapter one or two, or two or three, somewhere there, you know, where the tax collectors and the soldiers were basically abusing their authority. So, and that might not be the answer that people are expecting, 
But the good thing in our government, at least, we do have forms of calling people to account and let's use that accountability that people have to get these abusive people back in line. Thank you, Bishop Manny. I'm going to jump um, to biblical civil disobedience. Um, I, I think Pastor Gilbert, in his message last Sunday, he asked this question. Is it valid to resist an authority that God has appointed? And then he stated some examples of this in the Bible, like with the midwives, when they disobeyed the Egyptian king in killing the babies, see Daniel, um, the apostles in Acts. And so what would you say about biblical civil disobedience? Um, and even a member of our church, when we got to meet after the service, asked this question then, now when is it appropriate to be disobedient and where do we draw the line? Sure, yeah. I think it's clear from the examples that were given uh, that those were uh, the commands, whether it was in Egypt, whether it was in uh, the book of Acts, chapter 5. Uh, what else was the example? The, there were three, right? Daniel. Daniel, yeah. All of those pertained to their spiritual convictions and the kingdom of God purposes. You know, the fortunate thing, again, in our nation in the Philippines at least, is we do have freedom of religion, isn't it? Uh, and I think we need to be thankful for that because, you know, you can't just do that in communist countries. You can't just freely preach the gospel in nations that have restrictions that are, uh, are the, the dominant religion is not Christian. It's interesting. It's only in Christian nations, so-called Christian nations, where you can actually have the freedom to have your own religion. But Unfortunately, if you live in a non-Christian nation and there's a dominant religion, then many times you are repressed when it comes to practicing your own faith. And so to me, the warrant for biblical disobe uh, civil disobedience is in that context if you cannot practice your faith in Christ. Now, my question to you is this. In the Philippines, are we repressed? Are we being forbidden? To preach the gospel? I don't think so. And so the question is, is there warrant for biblical civil obedience in that, in that sense? Not necessarily. Now, am I saying that there's no injustice? Am I saying that there's no um, uh, abuses? No. On the contrary, we know there's a lot of abuses. But see, the answer is, is it civil disobedience or is it calling them to account? To me, that's what we need to explore more because what happens is there are a lot of things we can complain about and we can certainly say, and again, we're not naive people. Alam natin, talaga maraming abuso. But how do we, is that a call for civil disobedience or is that a call to call them to accountability? Make them accountable. Diba? And call them out. And again, thank God we have the freedom of speech. And so we can, we can express our dissatisfaction. We can express, again, the warrant for civil disobedience to me pertains to the situation where your faith is being prevented from expressing yourself. Now, sure, you can disobey, but 
you have to, I think we also have to qualify that and that is this. I think you need to be ready to face the consequences of your action. And it's easier said than done. Okay, so, you know, we wanna be bold. We wanna be courageous, but I'm not just gonna say to everybody there, you know, you speak out against evil. Sure you can, you know, I mean, we can be John the Baptist, but just get ready for your head to be chopped off. In other words, I think what we need is discernment. If God tells you to speak out against, you speak out against. But if God's not leading you to do that, I think it would be presumptuous for people to say, oh, we should, am I saying be afraid? No, I'm saying be discerning. Listen to the spirit. Don't just rant. Wow. All right. So, yeah, um, I got so much from that. There's so much uh, insightful, um, just uh, so, so much insight there. That's what I'm saying. Um, so what I got from that is that um, it's, it's like we have an array of options uh, or, or actions that we can do. It's never just, this is the only way. This is the only way. This is the only Christian way. But, but we have to be really discerning and ask God, what are you calling us to do at this time and in our context? There are times when um, we work with the mechanisms present already, calling the government to account using the present mechanisms in place. There are times when we are called to biblical civil disobedience where there's a clear law that, um, I guess in a way, the higher law of God um, makes it immoral already. Uh, I think of, the like race racist laws in the u.s where um those fighting for civil rights um like dr martin luther king um, would disobey those clearly racist laws so there, there was that place for civil um disobedience and then there are times where we, we can speak up and just use other methods um so there's never just one clear this is the christian way that we just do all the time but there really has to be discernment um, in every context. So, yeah, thank you for clarifying that, um, Bishop Manny. Um, we have another question. Um, I guess it kind of relates from, there's, there's this hard thing to wrestle with where uh, in the preaching we said that, that ultimately God is the ultimate authority. God is in control. Um, and, and we believe that, that God is sovereign. Nothing ever takes him by surprise. Nothing is out of his control. And so the question could be, um, why would God allow uh, an abusive or repressive authority to rule and govern? And what is our assurance that God will hold them accountable as well? Wow, those are excellent questions as well. Well, I can give uh, um, some answers, uh, but I'm reminded of a scripture that says, I think when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people mourn or the people go into hiding uh, this might shock people but actually it seems to me from that scripture and other scriptures god can give us good leaders or abusive leaders either as a sign of his blessing or a sign as a sign or as a sign of his judgment so <laughs> you know god gives us leaders if he wants to bless us he'll give us good leaders Mm -mm. Now, again, 
don't make that as an absolute statement. I'm just giving you one answer. Okay, so please, our, re our listeners, please, uh, I hope, you know, you can hear where I'm coming from. Because what we're simply trying to do is to live out the word of God in our own context as mm -hmm. a nation where uh, for hundreds of years, we've been repressed, we've been oppressed, we've been, and we have wanted to live as a free nation for so long. You know, we, the foreign nations that dominated us are gone, but the dominant forces among our own countrymen, unfortunately, are the ones that we're having to contend with. And so there's such mm -hmm. a longing for righteous leaders, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So, natin. And so, you know, I, I know we don't have that much time left. That's mm -hmm. why if I, uh, I don't know if you'll still ask a question or I just, um, kung, kung ito yung gusto ko sanang fullness of the perspective. No? So uh, I, I don't know if that answers your question. God can raise up leaders to bless us and God can raise up, uh, you know, to, to bring judgment. But um, at the same time, uh, we have to have the right attitude towards government leaders. And this is where the balance is. So I'm trying to give the full wisdom of scripture. In fact, if I could just sum up, uh, I was asked to do a, a teaching on government as well to our, to our um, leaders in Ortigas a few months ago. And uh, it just struck me how we ought to relate with our government leaders. Mm. And I give you four things. Number one is to pray. Very clear, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Okay? Uh, I urge them, first of all, remember, uh, to pray for, to give thanksgiving and prayers for those in authority, you know, for God. You know, very clear. There's no ambiguity. Pray for those in authority, for kings. Why? Because so that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness. This pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved. Why do we pray for those in authority? Because when you pray for those in authority, it creates an environment in the city or the nation which makes it conducive for the gospel to spread. And so, when there's peace and tranquility, it's easier. Now, of course, God can use human crisis. You know, this pandemic is making people call upon God, yes. But, I mean, Paul had a point. If there's peace and harmony in the society, then it's easier to spread the gospel. Mm. And so the implication of that is this. When you see the problems in government, are you praying or are you complaining? Now, I'm not saying never complain. There's a lot we can complain about. But ano yung mas madalas mong gawin? Mm. Kung mas madalas yung complaining mo kesa praying mo, then I don't know who, how much change we can actually expect because God already says it so clearly to pray for those in authority. Mm -hmm. Number two thing we can do, okay? Number one is pray. Number two is to preach. When I say preach, you know, I call four Ps, okay? <laughs> preach or teach. We need to teach God's, I mean, the whole society, including our government leaders, what the word of God says about their role as civil rulers. You know what's amazing? Going back to Romans 13, I mean, this is a, this might shock you. God calls the civil rulers his servants. Mm. 
In fact, the word there is diakonos, if I'm not mistaken, ministers. But don't we normally use that for people who are serving in church? We call them ministers. But apparently, God considers his civil rulers as his servants as well. I think Pastor Gilbert made mention of that. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was his servant. Pharaoh was his servant. Cyrus was his servant. Now, now of course, I think it would be much nicer if we had godly <laughs> servants mm -hmm. than evil rulers. But God calls them civil servants. I mean, so we are to, but see, how do we, how do we make them align with God's word until, unless we teach them? So we have a responsibility to teach them. Hmm. And that's what we do in church. That's what we strive to do. Number three, okay, so I, I, I could go on, but just for the sake of time. Mm -hmm. And this is really what I want to highlight for everybody listening. You don't like our government? You don't like our the way things are? Yes, you pray for them. You preach to them or teach. Number mm -hmm. three is you participate in government. Mm. If you are a follower of Christ, I think some of you should consider, and maybe many of you are already in government, and thank God for that. But more than all of these things that we are doing, actually, there's, there's one more P. That's the last thing. And I mentioned it last intentionally. Because many times we want to, and I, I've said this before, many times when we pray, guess what God does? We become the answers to our prayers. Why, do, why does our church exist? To disciple the future leaders of our nation. The future mayors, the future congressmen, the future businessmen, the, the future musicians, the future athletes, the future actors, actresses. We're called to raise the future leaders of our society. And so I think if you are dissatisfied with government, then perhaps it's time for you to consider a job in government. Hopefully that discontent you're feeling is actually stirring you up. But let me say this caveat though, it's gonna take time. If you think about it, the congressmen that are in Congress right now, you know, just think about the last, um, whatever the last decisions were, okay? Without being specific. The last uh, house decisions that were made. You know, some of those people were students on the UP campus 25 years ago. And now they are our lawmakers. Yung mga congressmen, mga kapatid ngayon, estudyante sa UP, sa Ateneo, sa Lasal, sa UST. Estudyante po silang lahat. Kung napagturuan sana natin sila ng salita ng Diyos, maybe their perspective might have been different in the way that they're teaching. Again, I could say more, but let me end. Para tapos na. And finally, number four, pray, preach, participate. And number four is to protest when necessary. And certainly, the church shouldn't be silent. Yes, as long as we are respectful. And the protest can, can, can mean calling our leaders to account using the institutions. So just to sum up, what are we to do? Pray, preach, participate, and protest.
All right. Thank you so much, Pastor Manny. That was, I got a lot from that. Um, and, and going back to the question about repressive government, I, I find comfort uh, as I read the Bible, um, both Old and New Testament, of how, um, yes, there are times God raises um, nations to bring discipline on other nations, like, for example, the Chaldeans against Israel. But at the same time, when you read Jeremiah, Isaiah, you see verses where God tells the Chaldeans, you went too far and I will now hold you to account. And so he raises up the, the per- Persian Medes to conquer them, Cyrus. So, yeah, and even in the New Testament, you have King Herod, um, who refused to glorify God. And then Acts just records that he just died. So, <laughs> so it's, it's interesting. It's really um, like interesting to think about just the sovereignty of God even over the rulers that he would appoint um, and how God even uh, holds them to account. So, yeah. yeah. Can I say one last thing? Because I think yes. this is, uh, um, you know, thinking about this, because you know, we, we so want change in our nation, isn't it? And we've been longing for a righteous nation. Let's say it that way. And people want change. And, you know, because of our experience with two people power revolutions, we can certainly say, oh, you know, God intervened in our nation. And you may not like this, but if you really look, we've had two people power revolutions. And if you still look at the condition of our nation, it doesn't seem like a lot has changed. I think we've been disappointed time and time again, because we think we're going to have good government. Now, again, is it that, am I saying that there's no good leaders? No. I think we've had a measure, we've had a number of good leaders. But let me say this. How does God bring about his kingdom, which is really what this is all about. It's really bringing God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. There's a scripture, a parable of the kingdom where Paul talked, I mean, Jesus talked about the, it's like leaven, it's like yeast working through the dough. It works on it little by little. What am I saying? If we really want genuine change in our nation, you may not like this. It's going to come gradually. It's going to come little by little. We've already seen two changes of government by revolution and nothing much has changed. But, okay, and I'm again... I hope I'm still alive to see this. I know, and I can say this, there's a new generation of young Filipino leaders, politicians that are rising up in our nation. You already see them. They're already in local officials. Some of them, you know, maybe in their 30s and 40s. Some of them are in Congress. Some of them are in the Senate. We already see them. And so, brothers and sisters, let's not, think the change is going to come overnight if you want lasting change be patient i'm not saying be passive be active but do more than just rant you prepare yourself you run for political office not all of you but some of you some of you become business people and bring employment to our nation. Some of you become educators. 
prepare the values. Some of you become pastors and preachers so you can disciple. Every single one of our countrymen can do their part to see this nation disciple. Wow, thank you so much, Bishop Manny. We got so much from that. And wow, even as a campus missionary, from what you just said, it makes me so excited to all the more continue discipling the next generation, believing that these students that we're ministering to will one day be um, leaders in government, leaders in, you know, in business and in different parts of our society. So if you're a young person here and you're listening to this, um, maybe God has stirred up something in your heart, even mm -hmm. maybe God has ignited something in your heart to, to really trust God. Now, maybe one day you will be the next president of the Philippines. So yes. okay. thank you so much uh, again, Bishop Manny. And now to help us process um, everything that we heard a little bit more, we prepared some questions that we could answer um, maybe on your own, but we'd love to encourage you to, to answer this with your victory groups or with, with your friends. And because God has brought us into communities and he can speak through the people around us. And so these are your questions. If you're watching us right now, it should appear on your screen. But if you're listening, um, these are the questions, the processing questions that we have. First, how are you... How are you regarding trusting God's sovereignty? What are some areas in your life that you are doubting God's sovereignty? Feel free to share and discuss this with your victory group and pray for growth in trusting God. Number two, what other authorities aside government in your life that you, that you are having a hard time submitting to? Feel free to share and discuss this as well with your victory group. And lastly, number three, what have you learned from this discussion and how will you or how can you be helped into putting that into practice? So these are our questions, our processing questions. There you go. Those are some uh, really good questions and I'm excited to process it um, with my small group. And yeah, that's, uh, we're almost at the end of our podcast. Um, Pastor Manny, is it okay if we just ask you to um, pray for all of our listeners and our church? Sure. Father, we thank you for the longing in our hearts for our nation to be truly a nation that honors you. For you said, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. Lord, you also said in Proverbs that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Father, we love our nation because you love our nation. And we know that you are at work. And Lord, whatever sense of discontentment or Whatever um, we sense, Lord, that's not right. Lord, let it be not to discourage us, but to stir us up, Father, to, be want, to want to be, Father, instruments of your kingdom. Lord, you said we are the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. Father, thank you that every single one of our brothers and sisters can do their part. And it's just so clear from your word that this nation will be discipled as every person, every man and woman follows you, and as they do their part in participating in the affairs of our nation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you again, Pastor Manny, and thank you so much to everybody who joined us um, for this episode of On the Spot. And again, we want to invite you guys um, for the second to the last episode, which will be posted next Thursday, November 5, 
2020, 5pm. And of course, we have our weekly Sunday service. So that's online and it's always at 10am and 4pm. And if you're a young person here, we want to invite you to our youth services every Friday at 5.30pm. We are still in our series where we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, who He is, what He does, and what does that mean for us in our lives. But for now, that's the end of our episode on the spot. Thank you guys for joining Mm -hmm. us. Thank you, Bishop Manny, for being here. And for the rest of us, we'll see you again next week. Bye, everybody. Thank you, guys. Bye.